Hey guys, good morning. City Lights Church. I can see the City Lights that are staring at me right now. It's amazing. <laughs> guys, wasn't worship amazing? I love this church already and I've only just got here. Uh, one person that didn't get announced uh, is maybe the most anointed person in the room right now, and that's my daughter, Hannah Grace Wilson. Do you want to stand up quickly, Bob? This is my Hannah Grace. She's wonderful. If you get a chance, um, be careful, but if she prays for you, just look out. I'm, I'm serious about that. I'm, I'm not even messing with you. Well, City Lights Church, uh, Kurt and Emily, thanks so much for, for having us. It's a joy to be here. Uh, obviously, we know some of you through uh, my really good friends, uh, Jory and Matt. Uh, it's so fun to be with you guys and watch you back in your native habitat. Um, yeah, great to be in Colorado. Uh, we flew in last night. My daughter and I got in a little later than we'd hoped, but we got to bed a little after 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, and so we just thank you, Father, for coffee. Uh, we thank you for the anointing, obviously more than that, but God, we need that caffeine put come through my system right now in Jesus' name. Well, let's pray. Should we pray? That's always a good way to start. And before we do that, let me just remind you guys that today is Pentecost Sunday. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing moment in human history where the person of the Holy Spirit made himself so available to humanity and came and baptized us. And we started with that first song, right? Come baptize us. I was so happy. What a day to celebrate the person of the Holy Spirit and to value him. And I can just feel his presence and his nearness and his closeness in this gathering. So we're just gonna we're gonna pray to him and, and invite him to come even more. So Holy Spirit, thank you for pouring yourself out so lavishly upon us. We remember that moment of, of Pentecost Sunday where you descended upon a group of hungry people that were crying out, obeying the command of Jesus to wait until power came. And I thank you that you did come. I thank you that you landed upon that community of people with fire. We thank you, Jesus, that you did in, indeed endue them with power from on high and that they became brand new people, completely different humans from those that were terrified and afraid and hiding in a room, worried about their life, to those openly preaching the gospel, healing the sick, not even worrying about the repercussions because the person of the Holy Spirit came and landed upon them. So this morning, we ask as we get into your scriptures and we spend time together as a community, I'm just asking Holy Spirit, not that you need permission, but we give it to you. Come and do whatever you want to do in our midst today. We want a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We want a touch from you. We want whatever it is that you have for us this morning. And everyone who agrees with me, say amen. Amen, amen. Are well, we going to get into it? Is that okay? We're going to open up the scriptures this morning. We're going to open up to Mark chapter 2. If you want to join along in your scriptures, I also feel like I'm going to have it up on the screen somewhere. There we are. Look at that. Wow, you guys are so organized. That's amazing. Uh, I feel, I feel uh, before we dive in, I do feel a lot of hunger in the room. 
I, I really do sense that uh, you guys have been contending for something, um, contending for a move of the Spirit of God. Um, and, and it's interesting because I feel the individual hunger, but also the corporate hunger. And I feel like you guys have done an amazing job at creating community and, and family and that you've made a decision that if revival is going to come, if the Spirit of God's going to come, I don't want it just to land upon me. I want it to land upon us. And I really do feel that that's something that you've fought for and contended for and that the Lord uh, honors. He honors your yes, not just to him, but also to one another. And, and oftentimes, I don't, I don't know about you, if you've gone around to, to growing up in church or been to other churches, it's not always what you find. Um, church can be an interesting place, <laughs> not always full of unity, not always full of loving one another and contending for each other, but very much in it for ourselves. But this is a house, I believe, that are hungry and crying out, wanting God to come upon us as well as upon me and my family. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. I feel that. And I feel like um, like the scripture that says one puts a thousand to flight and two puts ten thousand to flight. I just feel like there's this momentum um, on this house because you've made a decision to run together. Is that okay? I'm either prophesying into something that doesn't exist yet or I'm, I, I feel like I'm feeling uh, the heart of your house. So I just wanted to honor that um, before we dive into the scriptures. I could literally prophesy the whole time. That'd be amazing. We could call you all out. Um, we're going to do probably much more of that on, on Tuesday night. You guys are welcome to come. I have very anointed uh, team members that have come along with me that would love to prophesy of you and, and, and minister to you. So please come hungry and expectant for that. But for now, I feel like I have a word. So we're going to dive in and we're going to dive in quick. Is that okay? We're going to start here. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Is that okay? We're going to read through to uh, verse number 12. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes who were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Amen. Amen. Let me just, as we dive into this, I'm going to repeat the first two verses. We're going to jump into it from there. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. 
there's so many different models of church, right? There's so many different ways of doing this, and we bless and we honor all of those. And But I did want to make a point this morning because of the company that I'm keeping and uh, the hunger that I feel in this room to build a community based around the presence of God and a hunger for revival. So I'm not necessarily speaking against someone, but I, I am making a point because I want to emphasize what you guys carry. Uh, you can have a seeker-friendly model, and that is that... We want to make sure we get people in the door and we make church all about the needs of the people, making sure they're comfortable, making sure um, that everything's just right for them. Or we can have a Jesus-friendly model, and that is as long as he is in the house, as long as he is in the house and he is the priority of why we gather then those that come to find him, don't come and find me. Don't come and find pastors and leaders and people on a stage and, and a, a light show and everything done with excellence. Of course, we want to do everything with excellence. Of course, that's stewardship of what God's placed in our hands. That's why your pastors do everything so well in this house because they're wanting to steward what God has. But that doesn't win the lost. That doesn't set the captives free. Church, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm a bit of a knife. I'm quite sharp. That's kind of how I am, and that's who I am. So I'm here to be that. Like, church isn't for you. I'm so sorry. I don't know if that's like a, a slap in the face this morning. But if you came this morning to be fed something, you missed the point. We gather as community of people because hopefully Jesus is in the house. And if Jesus is in the house, we win. If he actually feels like he has a company of people that he can entrust with his presence, then anything can happen. Our role, I believe, as the body of Christ is to be that. Is to be so closely connected to him, so aware of his presence, so closely connected to the Lord, that no matter how excellent we present him, if people are relying on that, as soon as excellence lifts or leaves, they're going to leave this house. But if Jesus is here, <laughs> then when they come with their brokenness and with their needs and needing transformation, then all of a sudden they find it because they find the person of Jesus. And the lie is, I believe, in this seeker-friendly model, is that if I make it all about the people, then everyone will come. But if we make it too much about the presence, if we go in too hard about Jesus, if we worship too extremely, if we, if we show the gifts of the Spirit, then, then people aren't going to want to come. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. Every single person in this area in Greeley are longing to know that there is a king of kings and a lord of lords. And they don't find it by neatly produced church services. They meet him and then they know that he's real. And I just want to come in into this house and, and ugh, just encourage you to stay the course that if Jesus is here, I'm telling you, this region will hear about it. You don't need to market Jesus. 
You don't need to put him on Instagram. You don't need to worry about the algorithms on the internet of how these things increase by liking this and commenting on this. No, Jesus, he says about himself that he, wow, if he's high and lifted up, he'll gather all men unto himself. He is magnetic. He is magnificent. He is the one that everybody is longing for. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. We're going to go back just a few verses earlier for another example when he'd come into the house in Mark 1. I'm just going to read it to you here in verse 29. I'm sure it's amazing. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. When we go to the synagogue, when we go to church, when we come here in the four walls and we gather together, it's amazing. But what happens in here is never meant to stay here. This is not meant to be the highest, the pinnacle of our Christian existence as we come and we gather together on a Sunday morning. No, the reason that Pentecost that we talked about and referenced earlier came wasn't so they'd have a great meeting with 120 people. It was so that they would shake the earth. It was so the Spirit of God would land on them to go. Preach the gospel. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost ends of the earth. That which happens in here is designed to not stay here, but to go to your house. Right? They came from the synagogue and they entered the house. They went from this house into their house, into their life. And they encountered a sick person that needed breakthrough. And they went, well, hang on. I just was in a synagogue with Jesus. <laughs> I have a solution. We have a solution. They brought the sick woman to the Christ because of what they'd seen in the synagogue. Ooh, this is good. Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever and they told him about her at once. This is what you're made for, Jesus. A sick person. You're the king of breakthrough. Here, let me bring her to you. We've seen what you do with sick people. So he came, and I love this. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. His first mode of operation wasn't to fix her, but to meet her. Before he lifted her up, he reached down in intimacy and connected with her in her brokenness. We can come to Jesus to get something from him. And, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that just reveals our level of immaturity and our walk with him. It's like when we first have a, a child, right? All the parents in the room, ah, ah, I don't know how to communicate anything other than my needs. Me, 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 me is a sign of a level of immaturity in the natural and I believe the spirit. If all I'm doing is coming to God on the basis of me, 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 what can I get from you, God? Rather than I can be with you, God. That's revealing a level of maturity in that we've developed ourselves into relational equity with God. See, even Jesus, when he called his disciples, first it, it talks about, I believe I'm going to have that scripture up too. It talks about, first of all, in, in Mark, yeah, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Before his disciples did a thing, 
before He anointed them to go and do anything. He wanted them. He liked their company. He wanted to just hang out with them. He said, I like you. Come and be with me. Come and be intimate with me. Come and get to know me. And from that place, we can do anything. So as we come and we gather together this morning, we come and gather together every Sunday morning. Our first priority is not to get something from God, but it's to give something to God. We posture ourselves as ministers, as those that get to be with Him. That's the priority of why we gather together. The, the byproduct of being with someone is that they rub off on you and you become like them. They hang around with Jesus for three years. Obviously, they received an anointing and authority from him, but they got something because they were close to him. He could entrust his greatest treasure, his presence to them, because they had got to know him in intimate fellowship. You guys okay this morning? Haven't, haven't slapped you too hard yet? You're still alive? Go back into Mark chapter 2. Two verse 3. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Ooh, this is good. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic. Mm. The problem with... Inviting Jesus to your house <laughs> is that not only Jesus comes to your house. <laughs> when you say, you are our priority, we just must have you. Guys, they literally invited Jesus to come to their house and he came. But the entire region heard about it. Everybody came and filled up their house to the point where it was overflowing. The people outside of the door were trying their best to hear about him. The sick were there. The religious leaders were there. The broken were there. So when we cry and say, God, I must have you. I must have your presence. I'm saying, I'm so sorry to say, guys, it ain't going to be comfortable. That little seat that you have every Sunday morning there at the back might all of a sudden be taken by a drug addict. When Jesus comes into the house, the whole region of Greeley hears about it and must come and have him. But all of a sudden, we lose that which is comfortable to us because he's there. You can't move anymore. I don't have my parking space anymore. Right? We all get it. We become creatures of habit. We love, we love what we have. We love this fellowship. We love this connection like we were just talking about. But what are we going to do when the paralytics are banging the door down to come in? Are we going to be okay with people that are messy, that are broken, that don't have it all together, that don't know the Christianese, that don't know when to sing, when yell at the wrong time, when they, when they swear and they cuss, and maybe they're high, I don't know. But if we ask Jesus to come, I'm telling you, they're all coming too. They're all coming. <laughs> they could not come near him because of the crowd. Do we make room for the ones that really need him? The broken 
couldn't get to Jesus. Have you ever stopped to think about the reality of that story? That paralytic man only went up on the roof because there was no way to the Christ. Because that room was filled with religious leaders. (laughs) There was no way to get to the breakthrough that I came to receive. I heard Jesus was here. How easy it would have been for that paralyzed person and the three that brought him to go, well, this church doesn't even believe in healing. I thought Jesus was into healing the sick. I can't even get to him. What kind of a community of believers is this? They say they preach it from the front, but they don't even walk it out. If ever there was an opportunity for somebody to walk away offended and scarily, rightfully so, it would have been him. It would have been that group of people that have moved heaven and earth to try and get to this Christ and were unable to do so by the people that were blocking the way to this king. The community of people were blocking the way to the one that they'd come to meet. They could have gone away and posted on Facebook and Instagram and said, this church, they say this, but they don't do it. These leaders, they're all bluff and bravado. I came broken. I never even received prayer. I couldn't even get to him. I didn't have ushers bringing me to Jesus. There was no room for the paralyzed. There was no disabled parking out the front, right? And they would be right. They would be justified. James talks about a different kind of wisdom. James talks about, if you can bring that one up for me. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Listen, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. This passage is saying there is actually a wisdom, wise, correct, right, justified, that is self-seeking and full of bitter envy and has nothing to do with God. You can walk away from a meeting and be right and be oh so wrong. (laughs) They could have walked away right but oh so wrong because they couldn't jump over their offense, which I believe is a fence that you build hand in hand with the devil. Oh, I'll put one brick in that fence. I like that fence. Yeah, I really like that, that realm of separation that you're deciding to say, that's where I'm leveling off and I can have no more access of God here. The devil loves our fence. He's like, woohoo, let me help you build that. But the problem is when we are offended, there is normally a reason why. <laughs> it's normally correct. <sighs> there is a wisdom there. But we have to jump over these hurdles. Like in this story, how big of a hurdle did they have to jump over? They had to jump over the biggest hurdle. I am finally made it to the proximity of where the Christ is and I can't get to him. What they did determined their breakthrough. If they went away, they would have missed out on the power that was available right there in the person of the Christ. They had to jump over their offense, their disappointment. That which was not perfect about the service. Guys, I'm telling you, I know this as a fact. You're a company of believers. You are not perfect. (laughs) You're people, you're humans. 
especially Christians, I don't know what that is, but there's going to be relational friction. There's going to be offense. There's going to be difficulties. You're going to let each other down. And it somehow becomes so much more difficult when we're Christians, right? We expect everyone else to be perfect around us, but not ourselves. Isn't that weird how we do that? I judge you by your actions and I judge me by my heart. I meant well. They didn't. Right? We have to pass this test as a community of people. If we want revival, we have to jump over the offense of even when our brother hurts us. We are responsible to remain unoffended. Obviously, they are responsible to clean up their mess. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we, we are responsible to manage our souls in that. Is that okay? Oh, so many things to say. Hallelujah. So little time. When Jesus saw their faith, verse 5, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. We don't have to twist the arm of God to get something from him. But when he saw their faith, he could not resist it. I know you guys are hungry. I can feel it. You guys are hungry for more. I can, I can sense that. And you're contending for more. Jesus is paying attention, I promise you, to your hunger. I hope you came to church this morning with that same mindset of, well, if God is in the room, I will rip a hole in the roof to get to him. I have to get to him because I know that he has what I need. And I promise you that if you do that, he will respond. He can't help himself. He cannot help himself to your hunger. What I can't promise you is that it'll happen tomorrow or in this meeting or in a month's time. I don't have those answers. But I'm telling you, he is a rewarder. Hebrews 11.6, of those who diligently seek after him. He is. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. You might have been on a journey for a while going, I haven't got my breakthrough. Think about the journey of this paralytic man in that context of time. How difficult a life that would have been. How humble you must be to allow your friends. Hey guys, I heard Jesus is available in somebody's house, but... You guys know my situation. You need to come and pick me up on a bed and take me there. The humility of heart that says, you know what? I'm willing to push through disappointment and offending people and and people not getting me because I have to have him. Like I'm done with this life and I heard that there's a breakthrough on the other side. I hope that's your heart that says, even if it's been your whole life, I'm telling you, he is a rewarder. I'm telling you, if Jesus is in the house, you're going to meet with him and he's going to shift it. He's going to break that thing off you. He's going to turn around the situation that you find yourself in. He can't help himself, but he is looking for the hungry. (laughs) It's impossible. Think about it. We're in this meeting right now. I'm preaching my heart out to you. And all of a sudden, the roof starts tearing open. Where is my attention going? I love you, but oh my God, Like if someone started tearing open the roof and was paralyzed saying, I'm here for my miracle, what happens to the faith in the room when that starts to happen? What happens to your faith when that starts to happen? My eyes as the Christ in that situation is up and recognize there's a person of faith. I can't resist it. That's how we have to come to church. 
<laughs> oh, guys, you'll get used to me. You'll get used to me eventually. If not, I'll just keep preaching. Uh, some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within himself, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? I remember being on a tractor on a farm in the middle of nowhere in a previous life, pre-Bethel for me. Uh, I grew up on a farm in Australia uh, and I was a farmer for 10 years, shepherding the sheep, if you will, literally. Uh, No ministry experience at all pre-Bethel. I was just a a sportsman and a farmer. And I was listening to a message on my tractor to Bill Johnson, and I remember him saying one line that really stuck out to me and kind of cut through just what it was that I was doing. And it was kind of like, ding, a light went on. He said, I knew there was a moment in my life that I had to stop being my own Holy Spirit. And I went, it's kind of like my whole life's been flashed before my eyes. And I realized that's kind of how I live my life. Let me dive into that. What, 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 what could that look like? What could it look like to be my own Holy Spirit? Well, in Scripture, it talks about, in John, it says that the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, right? That's one of his jobs. Me being my own Holy Spirit and you being your own Holy Spirit, I'm sure you'll relate to some of this, is, oh I, oh, I messed up yesterday. I'm sure I did. Oh, when I had that one little thought, oh, that wasn't really, that wasn't really a godly thought. I know, what, I know, hang on, what I'll do. I know why it was. That's why it was. I didn't pray long enough in the morning. That was it. That's it. Oh, oh I only read two chapters. Okay, that's it. Ah, that's why I knew it. I knew I needed to read three chapters. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to get up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read four chapters of the Scriptures. I'm going to contend more. I haven't been fasting. And, oh, man, I haven't been fasting enough. I used to fast so much when I was hungry. I don't fast anymore because I could press in. Shakarabatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatat
and vulnerable to go with something that you don't like about yourself and go, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? He might say, I don't like it. Ah, <laughs> Right? That's not you. That's not the fullest version of you. You're a son. I've set you free from that. Or it might be, I actually really love you and I'm so proud of you. But what about that thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I really love you. You look amazing today. Right? But if we want to live a life of intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, then we have to lay down our own right to lead ourselves and think we know best. <laughs> right? They were reasoning thus within themselves. They were coming up with their own agenda, their own diagnosis by looking in on the situation rather than turning to God himself who is within arm's reach and say, Jesus, what do you think about this situation? This is religion. We have to be so careful that we don't allow ourselves to go back onto that hamster wheel of like, oh, never ending, running on the spot, somehow thinking that if we sweat hard enough, we're going to change. I'm telling you, the only way you're going to change is by the power of the Holy Spirit coming and setting you free. I think that's good. Guys, I I do a good job, and I'm sure you guys do too. I've got amazing friends, incredible fathers, incredible mothers in my life that I present my stuff to. What I'm not saying is, like, never talk to anyone about your stuff. Never get wisdom or counsel or insight into your life. I always make sure that the Holy Spirit is my, is my first refuge. I make sure I go to him. He's my primary source. Obviously, I'm in the scriptures every day. I let this thing cut me, guys. I even read the, the passages that we don't like to read. The ones that go, oh, yeah, didn't like that. That was written by the Holy Spirit to me. Normally written to me in a time when, when I'm in sin, I actually need to allow the Holy Spirit to convict me. Conviction, guys, is not a curse. It's a gift. Oh, if you have conviction in your heart, give praise to the Lord. It means you're in intimate fellowship with the Lord. It means you have a heart of tenderness towards the Lord. It still affects your heart when you're convicted. If you read a passage, it's like, brush over it. You are numbing yourself to the invitation for repentance and transformation. This here is the sword that cuts us and cleans us and prunes us. But so are my friends. I have amazing friends in my life where if I have any kind of second guessing about any kind of standard in my life or even any big decision that I make, I present it to the people in my life. I have peers, I have mothers and fathers, and I have the scriptures every day to keep me clean rather than just simply trying to do it myself. I am a pastor in a school of ministry, guys, and I go around the coffee shops of Reading, and there are many of them. We've got thousands of BSSM students, and like, most of them are 18, 19, 20, and they're all sitting in coffee shops talking about their process. It's just hilarious to me. Oh, you know, it's just not really my season, and I just really feel like God's not really really doing that in me anymore, and I just feel like things have really shifted in the last few days, and I'm, I'm like, it's just hilarious. I love it. It just makes me laugh so much. But, but it can become unhealthy if it's overemphasized. I can become so needy of my personal interactions with all of my friends to process my way out with a thousand different conversations with all of my friends rather than acknowledging that I'm actually running from the conviction of the Holy Spirit that this should never be processed through. 
There are some things that I hope my friends don't process me out of. They don't allow, allow me to reason thus within myself. But they go, that's wrong. And that's why I'm in this every day. And that's why I have friends and people around me every day. So that I can't just process my way out of some things. Oh, be careful when we just quickly turn to our friends. Friends, 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 friends. Every time something's going on in my heart. That's an important piece of the puzzle. But if we allow ourselves, we can medicate ourselves away from sin. That's dangerous. I want the Word of God, but more importantly, the friendship of the Holy Spirit to talk to me and convict me. I don't want to convict myself. I want Him to convict me. Oh, this is good. Guys, it's, it's scary to me. This passage is so, so scary to me. Right, here we have a company of people that are actually in the room with Jesus. Have you ever stopped to think about that? They, they are all in the same room as Jesus. So, God, come, come rest on us, like we sing. And he comes and he shows up. If Jesus is in the room, he's right there. But there's only, it feels like there's only one person that has recognized that he's actually available. It feels to me like the rest of that crowd that were there weren't participators but were spectators. They were okay with being in the room. Jesus is here. Amazing. I'm here too. And yet they were literally within arm's reach of the king of glory. They were within arm's reach. They could reach out and touch him and draw from him that which was him, himself, Jesus, the king of breakthrough. And we have to be careful that we're not just satisfied with being in the room. We're not just in cute little moments in God. But if he shows up, we have to make a demand on him. We have to pull on him so we can get from just a meeting into an encounter with this king. Oh, man. A room full of people that were within arm's reach. Right? We have another story in the scripture, right? Of the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus being bumped and, and he was in a massive crowd of people walking along. And there was seemingly only one person that recognized that he was truly the Christ, the Messiah. The one who was within arm's reach. My situation requiring breakthrough is right there. But those that were reasoning in their hearts were looking on and trying to understand with their mind, not understanding that he could transform everything that they were thinking about. Will we be okay with being spectators? Or will we dive in and start to become participators? Because guys, to be honest, that's much more costly. Much more costly to not be... Uh, participator sorry not be a spectator but be a participator we long for Jesus to show up we do we ask for him to come I feel like this house does the same thing cries out for a move of the spirit right we're at Bethel you guys probably know a bunch about us we we're hungry for more of God and we've seen just the most amazing times in the presence I've been in glory clouds I've, I've seen um, things that will blow your mind just Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people miraculously healed. Just, just the most amazing times together in the presence of, of God. But even in that environment, see, sometimes we, we stop and we think, if I could just get to that church, if I could just become part of that school of ministry, then 
everything would change. I'm telling you from personal experience, I'm a pastor in the school of ministry. I went through school myself for two years. I've pastored for five years in first year and four years in the second year on campus school. I've seen thousands of people go through. I've personally pastored four or 500 people through that environment. I'm telling you, there are those that do amazing and there are those that do not. (laughs) And the ones that do amazing are the ones that have their own personal relationship with Jesus before they come in, their own intimate connection with the Lord where their primary source is Him. Those that come in hungry but are relying on a Jen Johnson or a Stephanie Gretzinger or someone to chew up their own personal intimacy and hand feed it to them, I'm telling you, they have an amazing year, amazing couple of years in that environment, but they don't cultivate their own secret place intimacy with Jesus as soon as they leave an environment, a cult they go back to the reality of their own relationship with Jesus. Does it have roots or doesn't it? If they're relying on Bill Johnson every week, one of the most amazing communicators I've ever personally heard, week after week sharing the scriptures, that's incredible. We get that every week in school. But if you're not in this, getting your own source from Jesus, the word of God himself, those students, I'm telling you, they don't do that well on the other side of it. I'm telling you, there are people that are burning for Jesus in that environment that are crying out for more at Bethel Church, 100%. I'm the worst of them. I am hungry for more. I can be in a room of Jesus, with Jesus. It's amazing. I could be in a room where he's operating and he's moving and he's flowing. That's amazing. But I don't know about you, but I want more. I don't know if you've ever laid your hands on dead bodies and not seen them rise. I have many times. I've, 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 I've seen most amazing miracles. I've seen stage four cancer healed many times. I've, I've seen the craziest things. I could tell you hundreds of stories of the most mind-blowing miracles. But they're not the ones that keep me up at night. <laughs> it's the losses. It's my mom still at home, deaf, completely in both ears, that has me contending for more. I'm so grateful to be in the room. I'm so thankful to be a part of that community. But I am longing for more. Because I know, and I've seen it from personal experience, the more breakthrough you get, the more people come. Oh, there's miracles in the house. All of a sudden, people are being wheeled in on gurneys. Unable to look after their own physical body because they're mentally disabled. People that don't have limbs. People that are dead and dying in front of you. It's It's... You go, that's amazing. Well, it is amazing, except when they don't get healed and you have to look into the eyes of their parents that are also looking at you when you're praying your best prayer. It's not enough to just be a a spectator and be in the room. It's not enough to even be at Bethel Church and see miracles. We have this glamorized view of I could just get into this environment. No, Jesus is enough. He is it. Him, him alone. I know that if I can get the most amount of Jesus in me, that when I reach out my hand to touch him, if it's just Ben who touches them, they won't get up. But if Jesus in me is allowed to come out of me, any situation will bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And that's why I stay hungry. Not to twist God's arm. I don't need to twist God's arm. I'm doing it for me. God doesn't need, to, God doesn't need his arm twisted. He's given us the fullness of his son. I stay hungry Because I need more of what he has won in my possession. I want to see the dead raised. I don't want to hand back two-year-old dead daughters to my friends ever again. 
I want to contend to see breakthrough. And I know I'm talking to the right people. We cannot be okay with just coming to this church every Sunday morning. That was an amazing service. Wasn't it, darling? That was amazing. And going home and watching Sunday afternoon football. I love that. I love sports. I'm a mad sportsman. I'm telling you, we have to meet with Jesus. We have to meet with him. He has to get under our skin. He has to get inside of us where he's our obsession. We can't be satisfied with allowing people to come into our meetings paralyzed if you will, natural and spiritual, and, and not go home changed. I, I say to you, Jesus saying to the paralytic man, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Be transformed, get healed, get changed in the presence of God, but take it to your house. Take it home with you what's crazy if you stop and think about it is that a group of religious people stopped this paralyzed man getting to Jesus but he was healed and he rose up and he walked right back through them on the way out the door they had to see the reality of Jesus by the life that Jesus touched in front of them I'm saying that Jesus is doing a great work here in this house I believe it at this church God is doing something amazing he is. And I'm telling you, though, he wants to take it back to your house. He wants to take it back to your family. He wants to take it back to your school. He wants to take it back to your workplace. He wants to take it back to every situation that needs breakthrough. See, I was paralyzed, and now I'm not. Look, this is the reality of Jesus. This is who he is. Not, not just like a cute message, you should give your life to Jesus. Let me demonstrate to you the reality of who this Christ is. This is who I was, and look now who I am. Arise. Take up that which was a, a, a place of lying in, in disease and defeat. Pick it up. Walk out the door in victory. Stand to your feet really quick. God, I'm asking for like the people that said after this meeting, they were amazed and glorified God and they, they said to each other, we have never seen anything like this. I'm asking that this community of people, this gathering, this, this house, City Lights Church, that people would be drawn to the Christ, the Son of the living God, that people would come from all over this region hungering for more, the reality of the Christ. I'm asking for the paralyzed to get up and walk. I'm asking for the broken. I'm asking for the addict. I'm asking uh, for the sinner, the one completely broken, completely away from the Lord, would hear, oh, that there is a Christ and he loves me. They would hear it because Jesus has made his home here in this community of people. I pray that when people would leave this church, they would say, oh, man, we glorified God and said, we've never seen anything like this. I'm asking Jesus, and I can sense that there is hungry people all over this place. I'm asking today that you would release an anointing, just quickly because I know they have to go soon, but release an anointing over them that they didn't just come to church today, but God, that you would get under their skin. I'm asking for a hunger that to be stirred up in their hearts, to say, whatever it takes for me to get an audience with the King, I'll rip a hole in the roof if I need to. 
I'll ask my friends to take me to church if I need to. But I must meet with Jesus. I'm asking for the hunger that's already here to increase. I'm asking whatever it is that's on my life, this gift of hunger that I carry. I pray, Father, that it would be released into each and every one at the sound of my voice, that there would be an irreversible increase of hunger for the more of that which Jesus has paid for in full, even as we were singing this morning, it is finished. I pray, Jesus, for this company of people, this house, this community, that this would be a sanctuary where Jesus, you feel like you are welcome. Just, just put your hands out in front of you just really quick. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for Pentecost Sunday. We thank you for celebrating the outpouring of your Spirit. And I just ask that today that you would come in an increased measure of your presence. That you would pour yourself out in power. I pray, God, as they go home, that they'll be hungrier away from the church than they would be even when they're here. I pray that their secret place would get set on fire and throw gasoline on it. I pray that the number one source of their heart would be the Scriptures, would be their intimate relationship with You. Father, please pour Your Spirit out on their intimate place. And I pray that as they come back together again next week or Tuesday night and the months ahead, that this tsunami of your presence would increase. This fire warning that we were talking about would bear fruit and that the fire of God would land upon this community of people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.